Welcome to Living the Dream Outdoors, the official podcast of Living the Dream Outdoor Properties. We live by the motto, it's not just land, it's a lifestyle. And we live the outdoor lifestyle every day. Whether you're a landowner or dreaming of joining the ranks of those closest to the earth, we're your brothers and sisters of the outdoors. We hunt, we fish, we're stewards of the land. And our Living the Dream team will show you the way to enjoying the land and all the outdoor pursuits it has to offer. Here's your host, Bill Cooper. We're back. Living the Dream Outdoors podcast is starting the second season. We aired 93 podcasts in season one, and you can still find us on most major social media platforms, including Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, Apple, RSS, CastBot, Deezer, Podcast Addict, Podchaser, Radio Public, and more. We're now in our second season and featuring a new format, including interviews with your favorite outdoor celebrities, great hunting and fishing destinations, living the dream land reports to keep you up to date on the greatest outdoor properties on the market today. Two, we will have the occasional market update, including current interest rates. And last but not least, we'll have a weekly giveaway of fabulous outdoor merchandise. There's going to be lots of fun and excitement on the new Living the Dream Outdoors podcast. Welcome to Living the Dream Outdoors. I'm your host, Bill Cooper. Hey, great things are going on in the outdoors. If you're traveling down the highway, on vacation, carrying the groceries in, whatever, stick with us. We'll be about a 50-minute program broken up into several sections, and I'm sure we'll at least tell one or two stories that you will enjoy. But I've got with me today the Turnbow Brothers from over Steelville, Cherryville Way. These guys have Turnbow Outdoors and are like a lot of us in the Ozarks. They love the outdoors. But, you know, if I had my way today... September 15th would be a Missouri state holiday. You know, I'd have to agree with you 100% <laughs> on hey, that. I bet I could I, I bet I could get elected to a, a position on that platform. You could. I tell you what. <laughs> you got my vote. If you make September 15th a national holiday, you got my vote. <laughs> hey, might be something to think about. I have been asked a number of times to run for state representative, but uh, I'll tell everybody, I think I could do great on the conservation issues. Oh, I think it could, too. But I yep. might be absent the rest of the time. <laughs> exactly. <yeah. laughs> but September the 15th, boy, a lot of us look forward to bow season. Most uh, all of us bow hunters have got that date circled in red on our calendars. But it's also gigging season. And a lot of folks don't know what gigging is. Nope, uh, I laughed don't. a week or so ago. I Googled gigging up, and most of it had to do with musical gigs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. It's, it's pretty much just a heritage that we have around here. Yeah, I'm sure there's some other states that's got clear water streams that have suckers, but I don't know what states they are. Yeah, uh, I know. You know, the Ozarks kind of laps over into, uh, of course, Arkansas. Yeah. They do gig down there because yeah, I've gigged in Arkansas. Probably some in Oklahoma wouldn't surprise southeast Kansas wouldn't have yep. a little bit. Yeah. Because yep. uh, the Ozarks is kind of a little bit more than Missouri. But great times with both of those activities. I've been bow hunting for, gosh, I'd say how long, probably 50 years, uh, get gigging that long, too. But I'm originally from Missouri Boot Hill. I grew up muddy water, you know. Yep. And I used to have an uncle that uh, went to uh, Montauk a lot. He was from Illinois, and he talked about clear water streams where you could see fish, 
beautifully colored fish. I thought he'd been drinking too much, you know. I've never seen clear water in my life. <laughs> but Turnbow Outdoors, you guys are, are pretty young, it looks like, but uh, you've got a YouTube channel. Do you just call it uh, Turnbow it's, Outdoors? It's Turnbow Outdoors. That's that's a, You type in Turnbow Outdoors on YouTube, it'll come up. Good good deal. And how long y'all been at this? We've been we at We just started this, yeah, about a year ago, actually. About, oh, so you're still pretty young in, yep. in the industry. Yeah, we've been hunting and fishing our whole oh, life yeah. since I was six years old. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's just been a tradition of our family. I mean, we've always been in the outdoors. We love the outdoors. Well, I think uh, most of us here in the Ozarks are, are that way. Of course, uh, like I said earlier, I was uh, born and raised actually on a cotton field down in uh, Mississippi County, Missouri, but we were only four or five miles from Mississippi River and had a bayou that ran southern term, you know. Ran right through the farm, and we had a wild cane patch on the farm where, man, I had all the cane poles I ever wanted, you know. And digging worms was, you kick the ground, just Mm -hmm. about have all the worms you wanted to use. But you never knew what you was going to catch in that bio. But that bio played a huge role in my life because... It was a whole lot better to be down on the bio fishing. You never knew what you was going to catch than being in the cotton field, I can tell you that for oh, sure. Oh, yeah. I got in trouble more than once for sneaking <laughs> off, you know, uh, to go fishing. But uh, you guys, what's your biggest love in the outdoors? Man, that's a tough one there. It is tough. That's why I asked it. It is, yeah. <laughs> I'd have to say my biggest love for the outdoors is it's just it's just being out there, you know. Uh, I love chasing whitetail and Spring turkey season. I say there's something about that spring I love gobble. That, too. that was our papa's favorite was spring <laughs> yep. turkey season. He he pretty much he bred it into us, you know, and it's just ever since then it's just been a, a big part of our life. Well, I'm envious of you guys because you were born here in the hills, you know, and, and talking about grandpa uh teaching you how to hunt and uh that is a huge advantage. I'd never been turkey hunting until yeah. I got out of college in the military yep. and I landed as superintendent of Merrimack Spring Park for the James Foundation and, and Woodson K. Woods, we was talking about that just a few minutes ago, was brand new at that time. I don't know, it was five or six thousand acres originally. Yeah. And I had that to myself for several years because I didn't put signs up on it for about five years. I'd go wow. back in there and turkey hunt. Of course all I'd seen was reading articles uh, in national magazines about turkey hunting. There was maybe a, I don't remember any videos being out that time, but you get these little cassette tapes and stuff. <laughs> you, you guys go laugh at this one. But my, <laughs> my first turkey call I got was one of those old Lynch one-sided box calls. Yep. And uh, I, I don't know where I bought that thing. It looked like it had been in a package forever, you know, but I never practiced with that <laughs> thing. <laughs> right out there at the parking lot, you were talking about on Highway 8. Yep. yep. I stuck that box, the call's still in the box, in my old army jacket, walking down over the hill there, and it is dark, getting close to light. And I got a flashlight reading the instructions on the side of this box about how to run this box call. <laughs> you can imagine what it sounded like. Oh, yeah. Took that box out, yelp, 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 and I'll be doggone if a turkey didn't gobble. First time I ever used a call. Of course, he was probably a mile away. <laughs> All right, I read the instructions on that box. It's, it said, call again in about 30 minutes. Man, that's as long as 30 minutes of my life. I've, <laughs> yeah. I've sat there watching the clock, got down, 30 minutes is over, and I, yep, 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 again, got another response. Now, it didn't give you a bunch of instructions about how to turkey hunt. It was just how to run <laughs> that call. Just how to call. So for five days in a row, I stood in the same spot. Yep, 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 a turkey gobble. We did that for five days. <laughs> Finally, on the sixth day, I thought, one of us got to move. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, spring turkey season, that's, that gets a little rough sometimes. 
Oh, it 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 does. And of course, we're in a little bit of a lull right now with the turkey yes, population. And I I just had the state turkey biologist on a couple of weeks ago. Young lady was very sharp for some pretty interesting comments. But I don't want to go through that whole program because I want to know more about about you guys. Now I take it, uh, Dalton, you're the older brother. Nope, I'm the youngest. You're I'm the, the oldest. oldest. He's yep. the oldest. Yes. Oh, sir. you are. Okay. Yeah. So. Uh, who who runs this show? Y'all pretty well run it together. Yeah, or about fifty fifty. Is there a little a little competition there? No, <laughs> it can get competitive sometimes. <laughs> it depends on what shows up. Huh? What yeah. shows up? Well, I yeah, I, I I know how that works, man. I've been around all kinds of hunters and fishermen uh, in my fifty years of being in this this business, but you guys are fortunate too in that. Uh, Living in uh, Cherville area you live, that's pretty wild country. I used to run a UPS route through there many years ago. But you've also got a, a lot of national forest land close yes, by. Yes, we A do. bunch, yes. Yeah, you guys hunt that pretty oh, yeah. pretty yes. often? Yeah, yeah we're yeah. out there all the time. Well, now when you get to know areas like you guys do, that's a great advantage when it comes to hunting, fishing, what, whatever, uh, because there's a lot of space out there. And, you know, what people do, if you get people particularly come in out of the city and they're not that familiar with the territory, what are they going to do? They're going to drive the main yep. main roads, yep. and you realize that. So that's yep. how it works. That's exactly how it works. And I've uh, I've had more than one turkey hunt uh, messed up on oh, yeah. public lands. Me like and my that. wife this past turkey season, we was setting up and had one coming. Though bird, he just quit gobbling when we kept setting that. I figured it was coming, so boy, we get ready. Sitting there, and I seen something shining coming through the trees. Yep. Thought, and here comes some old boy driving all the way down an old logging road. Oh, you you bet. Yeah. That's why I try to get off those side spurs, side ridges, you know, to yep. get away from that sort of thing. But still, you know, it, it, I was raised in a time I went through parks and recreation school at the university. That's back when the three-wheelers first come on the scene. And as trained land ma- managers, we were horribly against those things. So I've had a horrible bias against UTVs and ATVs all my life. I, I've never bought one. Yep. My, my kids used to scream for them. I say, hey, good Lord gave you two good legs. That's Just right. Use, walk. Use yeah. <laughs> so I've always, always been a big walker. But now, you know, all... The land agencies use those machines, oh, and yes. they are good tools, you know. Yep. Of course, I have a connection with Cowtown USA. I've been over to Cuba, Missouri. I've been repping for them for, gosh, almost 10 years, maybe over 10 years, and they're great to loan me a, a vehicle <laughs> during turkey season, you yep. know, because produce videos and stuff. Yeah, I see the advantage of them now. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> Make it easy. All they do, but when age starts catching up with you like it is, is me, they're even a greater advantage. Oh, yeah. But I wish we had a course or something to teach people how to use those things yep. during the hunting season. I know. They it. use them all wrong. Yeah, it happens just a, a, an awful, awful lot. Well, i got to ask you guys, who's the better turkey caller? Ooh, I'm boy. gonna start a fight here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would say probably him. He can call better than me, but I, I'm a little more lucky than him when it comes to turkey hunting. He's got more patience. I got more patience. Uh, uh, well, uh, <laughs> hey, now if you go back and read a lot of the articles that are written during my time in my day, now remember me talking about the yep, 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 and set that box down. <laughs> yep, for thirty, forty-five minutes. You know how much patience that takes? Yeah, that's a lot of patience. <laughs> that's a lot of patience. And, of course, I eventually learned uh, I, w- I was coming up in the outdoors when a lot of the big names in turkey hunting were coming along. Ray I from Missouri, Walter yep. Parrott, yep. you know. And, uh, gosh, uh, Chris, uh, there's been uh, 
Steve Stoltz, the Drury Boys, yep. uh, Brad Harris, on and on and on. It seemed like all the, the majority of the great turkey hunters in the United States at that time were coming out of Missouri. Yes. Yeah. And these, yep. these boys uh, uh, put together some good products uh, as well. But... And I had Walter Parrott uh, on just a few weeks ago. It was interesting. He talked to Walter, and oh, oh, Walter, I'd laughed uh, hunting with him one time over towards Bourbon, and he had uh, Chuck, I can't remember his last name, was filming at the time, but we'd all were old enough and hunted a lot and shot shotguns enough. We're about two-thirds deaf, you know. <laughs> we're standing there getting daylight, and uh, Walter and I hooted, and a turkey gobbled, and this is honest truth. All three of us took off in a different direction. Then <laughs> <laughs> one of you knew which way it no. was, wasn't it? <laughs> so patience. After patience, what's the second most important thing in turkey hunting to you guys? Man, turkey hunting. It, it's getting harder and harder. But to me, the most important thing is you gotta you got to know the basics to a turkey call. In my opinion, you have to know the basics to that. If you don't, you still might get lucky and lob onto a turkey somewhere that might come to you, but you just have to know how to run a turkey call. Boy, that's exactly right, and I think that's gotten more important through the years. It has. Like I told you. Now, I got that turkey to gobble with my first call. It was a horrible yes. call. And it was horrible all week, but he still gobbled at it. But uh, I've killed enough turkeys. I've killed, I don't know, 100, 203, I guess, in my lifetime, several states in Mexico. But I have learned, too, that turkeys themselves make some mighty terrible sounds. You better They do. They make some terrible sounds. But uh, being consistent, being able to change up, being able to use a variety of calls will make all the difference in the yes. world. And, of course, I was right in the middle of all these guys that were building calls and selling calls. And uh, I can never call anything like any of those guys. Mm-hmm. But Walter Parrott told an interesting story on the podcast a few weeks ago. He's, Ray, I really helped him out. And Walter had a very distinct sound. I was asked to judge contests several times, and I refused to do it because I could pick Walter Parrott out of the crowd immediately. You know, mm-hmm. He's got an unusually large mouth. Sorry, Walter, but that's true. <laughs> He's got a large palate, and he had to have a, have a different shape call. But Ray, I told him real quick, like, the way you're calling, Walter, <clears throat> we'll call turkeys in, we'll kill them, but you're not going to win anything in calling contests. Call them yeah. the way you do. So he adapted a little bit, did very well. In fact, one time he was... The best turkey caller. Yeah. Yep. yeah, had won more turkey calling championships than anybody in the country. Yep. But I asked Walter, I said, uh, on that program, I said, I heard you were up in Missouri, and you killed your two birds in Missouri because he's living in Alabama, has been for oh, many years. Yeah. I said, where were you hunting? He said, well, it's about like in, back in the day when you and I were hunting together, and, you know, he was building a little name for himself. So people ask me all the time, where I was turkey hunting, I, he said, I just got to where I told people, don't make me lie to you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> oh, we're, we're all protective of those turkey hunting We spots. can be, yes. Yep. Yeah. You find a sweet spot, you like to hang on to it. You know? Yeah. Well, you tell one person, they tell another person, and they thing you know, you got 10 people after the same bird. Yep, I've seen that happen time and again. It happens every year. And I've even had a, a few problems over the years with, uh, you know, my personal sweet part private property and, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah had trouble with people sneaking in trespassing yes, that sort of thing but mm-hmm. hey it's a problem we all deal with but you know uh turkey numbers are down but 
we used to have five, 600,000 turkeys in the state of Missouri, and we still probably got in the neighborhood of 400, 450,000. Uh, so the numbers are still there. Uh, there's still plenty of turkeys to hunt. And fall turkey season coming up, you know, in oh, yeah. October. October. One of my favorite times of the year. You know, how do you guys go about fall turkey hunting? I'll, yeah, be, I'll honest be honest. I ain't never really. Hey, you're both honest. That's yeah, good. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've never, never really been fall turkey hunting. Really? Yep. You I'm, guys always, are, I'm always chasing the deer, and I just I never got the time to. Well, see, fall turkey hunting, there used to be thirty, forty thousand 40,000 of us that got out and hunted in the, in the fall. But uh, now, well, I think there are only... I want to say less than 10,000 birds killed last year and yeah. it's because there's been a loss in interest. A lot of people don't like it because they say the birds don't gobble yeah. like they do in the spring. They will gobble. Oh, yeah, you can get them gobble all year, I've, year I've, around. I've actually been in my deer stand and heard them gobble in October. Oh, yeah. Uh, I've hunted with Ray I a number of times, and he can actually, he's one of the few people I know that could get turkey gobblers so riled up in the fall, they'll gobble and fight and carry on. So it's, again, a matter of knowing what to do. But the thing I love about fall turkey hunting is getting out there in that cool, crisp air that the colors are on. And turkeys are very vocal in the fall, particularly when they're flying up the roost yes, or flying, flying down, down. And they yeah. scatter out. I love it. If you want to learn turkey sounds, the fall is a time to oh, yeah. time to be out there. Well, guys, if uh, uh, people want to watch your, your show on YouTube, how, how do they go about it? Just go to YouTube. Just and go to YouTube and type in Turnbull Outdoors. You can also, we have a Facebook page. We are on Facebook. We have a lot of our videos uploaded there. You can click right on them. It'll take you straight to our videos on YouTube. That is great. And I tell you, to me, you know, I've been in this business for a long time. I've uh, been fortunate enough to rub elbows with some of the greatest tur- turkey callers out there, deer hunters, too. And it's been a lot of fun. But to me, there's nothing more fun than uh, dealing with local people. And you know what? They're the people that know where the deer and turkey are. That's right. right. <laughs> <You're all there. laughs> I've been I've been camped on rivers alone, and guys come along, and uh, never forget down eleven point one time. I can't remember the boy's name, but a uh, uh, guy come along. He'd had some arm surgery. He was running a boat by himself and hunting by himself, and I wound up hunting with him. And he killed a little buck, and I wound up gutting it out for him and dragging it a mile back to the boat. And, <laughs> and uh, we wound up hunting together some, though, and had a great time. Made great story material. Yep. But, uh, hey, Turnbow Outdoors is going to be giving away. That'll be two weeks from now. Uh, an Academy $100 gift certificate. Yes. So be sure. All you got to do is go on the Living and Dream Outdoors uh, podcast uh, page, like that page, and then type in your name, and you're automatically entered. $100 is a pretty a sweet good deal. piece of change. Sweet yeah. Deal. Especially right there at the first part of both first season. Part of both you, season. You, you betcha. Run over get to your arrows, academy. Get your knocks. Yeah. Get your broadheads, whatever you need. Yeah, you betcha. If there's only one thing I don't like about this drawing. They won't let me put my name in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, it's been great to have you all on the show. Some good information, a lot of fun, and good luck out there. Well, thank you. Hey, thank hey, you. Hey, don't forget, old man Bill Cooper still likes to eat. Oh, we I, won't. We won't I'm forget you. you. Some. <laughs> we won't forget <laughs> yeah. you. All right, we need to take a short break here, but hang on, because in uh, second segment of the show, we're going to have Brian Wilson on, who's quite the bow fisherman. 
Hey everyone, Brandon Licklider here with the Marys County Bank. Um, the last show we talked a little bit about the pre-qualification process and what documents would be needed um, to kind of start that process. Um, today I'm going to move into the next stage, which I would consider the review stage of the application. Um, and of course on the banking side, we're going to go through some generic things, equity position and repayment ability, prior performance that you've had. Um, but the main thing that's going to happen in this stage is we're going to have kind of an interview process with you where we try to figure out how this purchase works into your long-range plan. Um, there's a lot of different ways to, uh, to purchase these properties. There's different products, and there's different ways of getting there. Um, some people have, maybe they have a lot of equity in one property that they need to transition to this new one. Uh, we have some temporary financing or some things in place to help make that feasible. Um, so really, we're going to sit down and kind of see where you're at now and where you want to be, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now and where this property fits into your future plan. Um, the end result of that process is we can look at potential products or some potential financing scenarios um, to kind of give you an idea of, of what the financing would look like and how feasible it is for your own plan moving forward. Um, and then, of course, at the end of that process, uh, if everything goes well, we end with a pre-qualification letter that allows you to go out and start generating offers for those properties and, and be ready to move on them as they hit the market and they're available. Um, in closing, I just want to mention, of course, Brandon Licklider with the Marys County Bank. Uh, we are an equal housing lender and member FDIC. Um, and if you'd like to run over a possible scenario with me or, or visit with me about a potential property, uh, I can be reached at 573-265-4600. Welcome back to Living Dream Outdoor Podcast. I'm Bill Cooper, and I'm with the Turnbow brothers these guys are quite the characters you know i always accuse these people f from out in the hills being hillbillies you well, know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course they make fun of me uh, coming from the south like i do they call me a swamp rat i've had people have actually had make me take my shoes and socks off see if i got wet yeah exactly <laughs> uh, well sometimes well i don't want to get into that but sometimes <laughs> kids you know playing in the mud and the dirt they're almost webs oh, between yeah. my toes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but i, I know you guys are giggers and that's something i love to do but i had an accident many years ago kind of messed up my right arm and uh so i'm not only shooting a crossbow i don't gig much anymore but i get on those boats and and film and uh take photos and collect story material because you talk about some storytelling oh fools. there is some stories with gigging oh it, yeah isn't there though I've, I've seen some crazy things happen in fact i was on a media event down in donovan missouri last year and i was with uh, zach smith who's a big writer for the rural electric magazine and uh, i don't think he'd ever been gigging before I, but i've been before and uh he was up on the deck he's a tall boy and i was doing a little filming photography work and all of a sudden my feet are getting wet uh kind of took my face away from the camera and uh, i don't know what happened but the boat had kind of nosed into a wave or something. Water's coming up over. We pretty much sunk. But you know, a sunk boat still floats. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, we know all about sinking we know, boats. Yeah, we? we know about that, don't we? Yeah. So we were scrambling to pick up camera bags and that, that sort of thing. But everything turned out fine. But gigging is an ancient tradition. It is. goes yeah. way back, even the late Woodland Indians that uh, – in fact, I, I wrote quite an article on that several years ago. Pretty interesting, the research I did. But uh, uh, interesting how they gigged, you know. Wasn't much for light back then. And usually 
used a stone tip, sometimes a bronze tip. Yeah. But one of the things Indians used to do in this part of the world, it must have been colder then. I remember back in my youth, it was much colder than what it gets these days. But the Indians would actually take a cut a hole in the ice and they might take a stick and a string, I guess, and they made like a little lure that they dropped wow. down in the water and jiggle it around and fish would come through it and they'd get yeah. it. I prefer floating down a river. Yeah, I like that. I like floating down myself. (laughs) Well, what is a big attraction to going out when it's 15 degrees, it's cold, and you could fall in the water. You could. It is cold out there anyway, and floating down the river and stabbing in the water trying to stick a sucker which well, the only attraction i can think of is when you get back and the people on land's got the fire going and the grease hot's about the only attraction i can think and it ain't like when it's hot there's no bugs well that's true you ain't that's swallowing true. bugs all that long yeah that picking the bugs out of your teeth in early, <laughs> yeah. early season is uh that's not fun either no you get them in your eyes and everything else but we still go that's we still oh, go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. so there, there's got to be something within us that makes us do yeah. that, that sort of thing but you mentioned uh, you, Justin, you hit the nail on the head, I think, and you're talking about people back on the bank. It's a party atmosphere. Oh, it, it is. is. I mean, you gobs know. of people will come because mm-hmm. uh, they yep. know there's going to be a fish fry. You better believe it. And you, hey, you just watch the age structure there on the bank. It's usually the little guys and the old guys. Yep. It's, right. a, it's those kind of in the middle of the ground, young, foolish guys that are out there. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Yeah, it's always the yeah dad and all them. They always yeah. stay on the bank. My and dad, make us my, go my out. uncle, yeah. they always got the grease going, and we're always out there getting the fish. <laughs> well, that's a, hey, it is great, great fun though. But it takes a bit of a talent to be able to gig a sucker or a red horse oh, or hog yeah. molly when you're out on that stream. Now the boat's running a little bit. The current is running. Sometimes the fish are moving. Oh yeah, and you're trying to hit hit that moving target. Yeah, uh, it's pretty tough, but. Water refraction is one of the hardest things for people to figure out. Now, if you're gigging in a fish, where do you gig at? The tail end or head end of the fish oh, or what? Man. Bill, I'll tell you, the first the first couple times I went gigging, I bet I stabbed 600 times and maybe gigged five fish. <laughs> I, I just could not figure it out. But I eventually got the hang of it, and I could eventually gig some fish. I mean, it just... Yeah, you always go low. Always go low. Always. And the deeper the water, Mm -hmm. the more refraction you have. I like that little bit shallower water. Oh, I I like that. that. That's the best part. It's that real shallow water. (laughs) Where you can just stick your gig tip in the water and almost touch the fish with it before you... You you betcha. Of course, growing up in the boot here, all the gigging we did was in the backwaters in the springtime when the... Our fields flooded and everything. We always had one wheat in the bottom mm-hmm. field and a big carp and buffalo and guard come in there. And we were shooting them with little fiberglass bows with cedar arrows. You know mm-hmm. how many dozens and dozens of cedar arrows uh, <laughs> yeah. we broke off in big, big fish, you know. And, yeah. and of course, a lot of times we could get them because uh, uh, the water was so shallow. Even if you broke that arrow, it was still sticking out of the water. We'd chase them down. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't let them get away. Oh, no. And a lot of people think, oh, those old rough fish are not fit to eat. You oh, know, yeah. I grew up eating carp and buffalo. Yeah, yeah we all have. Yeah. But, and But when I got up here in this fresh, clear water and these suckers, you know, although they're a bottom feeder, but there's nothing better than a sucker right out of the cold well, water. Good. Man. And those guys, it's interesting. Uh, I've had the Merrimack Baptist Association uh, up on the Merrimack a uh, couple of years in a row there had a good spot to get in and and oh 
we'd gig so many fish. We'd have 20 or 25 guys, and we're gigging those fish for a big men and boys event they'd have later in the year. But it was so funny to watch how these guys operated, you know. They'd have a couple boats, just two or three guys on the boat. They'd go out for 20, 30 minutes, bring a wash tub of fish back. And these guys had all these old ironing boards lined up, you know. Yeah. And if that's not a fish cleaning mm-hmm. yep. deal, and of course, guys had those sharp fillet knives or electric knives in some cases, then they could go through a yeah. batch of fish in just a yep. few minutes, man. But I did that farm for a couple of years, and they saved all those fish uh, uh, for the event. I said, guys, if we do this again next year, we're going to cook some fish. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so that's what happened the third year. But you're talking about so much fun. Now, gigs. Gigs are an interesting story themselves. The actual utensil yes. you use stab of fish with now where do your guys gigs come from they used to come from ken richardson he used to make our gigs yep yep and he passed away and he don't make the gigs no more the last say the last few we got we got from his boy yeah the last his boy had some left over and we bought them from him and that's the last gigs we have bought really still use them well ken richardson i knew him many many years ago did several stories on uh ken richardson he actually i was looking at one of the articles the other day and he talked about the old-timers, of course. Uh, all the old guys like yep. to talk about the old-timers before him. <laughs> yep, but yep. Ken, and he called several names, but he talked about people that made gigs. And he talked about one gentleman from Leesburg who was famous for throwing a gig. He'd have a rope tied on the end of it, I guess, so he wouldn't lose it. Yep. But as the story went. That's the story. <laughs> as the story went. Yeah, but it gets better. Ken swore up and down that this guy could throw a gig all way across the river and hit a sucker on the other side you know <laughs> <laughs> i didn't ask him how much moonshine was involved yeah. <laughs> but isn't that the deal though about uh, gigging and gigging parties it's just so fascinating that people will turn out in cold weather oh yeah and and, and do these sorts of things yeah. now describe your gigging rig to me the boat and everything that you use my dad has a blazer, a blazer all weld. It's all weld. Has a forty horse jar or mercury on it, and we just have a gigging rail. And he's got some lights that he has bought from. Where did he get those lights at? I want to say Orsland's. I don't know. Yeah, there's thousand places you can yeah. get. Yeah, I don't know, but it's a, it's a great gigging rig. It's a good wide bottom boat, so you ain't really got to worry about turning it over. Yep. I see the, the last one we turned over. It, 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 it was a narrow boat, and we ran up on a stop. But I'm telling you, Bill, I about died that night. I almost died. <laughs> we went right in a big old root wide. He didn't appreciate that. No, very I did much. not like that. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. It's. Uh, I don't think I've ever fallen out of a gigging boat. I've fallen out of a duck hunting boat more than once. You know, almost died because <laughs> I by myself and couldn't get back in. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah I wasn't like that. No, that well, would not have been fun. That's why when I'm duck hunting. And I always keep uh, more than one rope tied onto the boat. I actually shinning around to the front of the boat where there was a rope, and it was 15 degrees. Yeah. And, and I was yeah, see, the, this was the first part of September when that happened. Oh, so it was, but I was in the, in the water for a good five minutes, and I could feel hypothermia sitting yeah. in. And it could, well, no way I could get in that boat. Waders full of water, so I stuck that rope in my teeth. I wasn't that far from the bank, so I took off swimming. You know how hard it is to swim. <laughs> I can't even imagine. <laughs> Waders full of water. water. <laughs> yeah, and I actually finally felt my feet touch the bottom. Was I ever thankful for that man and managed to walk on up the bank, towed that boat up, hopped in it, run back around to the ramp, loaded up, ran home, changed cloak, and went to work. 
And went to work. <laughs> yeah. and I walked the first guy that saw me said, Bill, you feel okay? You're off of blue. <laughs> <laughs> I was a little cold tonight, bud. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk about the process a little bit. Once you got those fish gigged, you get back to the bank with them. What's going to happen? Well, drag out the old iron board first thing. Me, me and my brother, we need to get to do all the cleaning. My dad, oh, and you're they lucky guys. Yeah, yeah, we're yeah. lucky. Yeah, yeah. They, they just sit there, and you know, my dad, he likes to bark orders at us. You need to hurry up <laughs> so we can get these in degree so we can eat some fish. Yeah, wait just a minute. I'm going to defend your dad here. <laughs> I've been to a lot of camps, hunting, fishing camps, all sorts of things, and I, I can swear that any camp operates a whole lot better if there's a camp boss. You better you're believe right, it. And he is the camp boss. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he starts barking orders, and what happens? We get to cleaning fish. Either we, either we clean the fish, or we don't get to eat them. That's how it works. <laughs> Who's the cook in y'all's camp? My uncle. Yeah, My uncle usually he always cooks fries the fish. Ah, do you have a secret recipe? No, no not really. Just cornmeal and salt and pepper. That's hey. about all he uses. Hey, that's about as good as it gets. Yeah, now right. you got you got to have something to go with that fish. What do you guys use? Fried taters. Yeah, fried potatoes, potatoes like, and onions. Potatoes and onions. Mm-hmm. There you go. Do you guys do the canned biscuit thing? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We eat, yeah. We do that too. I, I, I laugh. People, I th- the first timers really think you're nuts, you know. And I always buy the cheapest biscuits I can. Yeah. <laughs> I can yeah. find. You know, throw them in that hot grease. They puff up and they roll over and they turn that golden brown. And you. Take them out, and some people like put powdered sugar on them. Yeah, but apple butter is my favorite. Yep. Yeah, that's what we butter, always good use. Good old apple butter. Remember the first time at deer camp when we done that? Yeah, old Timothy and all them. Yeah, drugging biscuits out. They didn't know what was going yeah. on. Yeah, they said that's the best thing they ever ate in their life. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got to say, you know, camp foods. Uh, hey, it tastes everything. better. It all tastes better out it, there. It really does, and I don't know uh, if there needs to be a big research project about that thing. We might, we could surely get some government funding for that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. But I love to eat. I actually did an outdoor celebrities cook, uh, cookbook back in uh, 1999, and I was just looking up, I uh, looked up a turkey recipe by Walter Parrott, about as simple as it can get. He's talking about backstraps, you know. Mm-hmm. If I kill a deer September 15th, I'm going to eat some of it that oh, night. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that fresh backstrap. Fresh. That first one of the year. Can't yeah, and, and I'm always so anxious to get that uh, first meat of the season in my mm-hmm. mouth. I use Walter's little recipe a lot sometimes. He just cuts those backstraps up into about one-inch pieces, you know, two or three inches long. He dropped it in Dale's sauce, which is a dark marinade you can get at yep. Walmart. Yep. Uh, leave it in there for a little while. And like two hours, and then take it out, and he throws it right on the grill. But uh, a little trick I learned from some of uh, your people over your part of the country, some Halberts, John Lonnie Halbert. Yeah, I've seen those guys take uh, deer meat like that and drop it in. uh, It's really the juice off of hot peppers. Yeah, yeah. Let it sit in there. Yeah, John Halbert, he likes that. Oh, yeah. I've Mm -hmm. known John for a long time, and and that really puts some zing in that meat. I don't know why you couldn't do that with suckers, but I I like spicy foods. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, you probably could. Yeah, just for a few seconds. That add a little zing to the suckers as well. But there's a jillion ways that you can cook out there. And back to the suckers, I see a lot of people. Cornmeal is generally what I use too, and you know, you've scored those fish, cut through those fine bones. Yes. About every quarter inch or so. In it, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and then you work that cornmeal down in between those pieces of meat and uh, quick fry those things, boys. Get them out there quick, yeah. When they hit that hot grease, don't take them but a minute or two, they're floating to the top, yep. a golden brown color, just beautiful. And boy, 
I like to eat it as hot as I can stand it. I've got blisters on my tongue more than once. <laughs> Eat them a little too hot. You don't want them to let them get cold. They ain't near as good then. No, they're not near as good then. But you know what, what I do with cold fish like that? I don't care what kind of fish it is. Uh, I just hate to throw a fish away, particularly after I've yes, get, get caught it. I take that, that meat a lot of times and just crumble it up pretty fine on top of a salad. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's not too bad. It's not yep. as good as when it was hot and fresh. No, no, you don't waste fish. No, absolutely. Oh. Try not to waste any kind of wild. Oh, no, wild you don't. Game. But everything I eat, everything I shoot and kill, I eat it. Well, <laughs> That's just good, how it works. Good point. Uh, my dad was a real stickler on that when I was growing up as a kid. I had a couple of things I wish I hadn't shot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I heard, in fact, I heard John Albert tell a story about that one time. What was he shot? A crow or something? He wound up having to eat it. But yeah. uh, probably made John the man he is. Probably. <laughs> he's, pretty big, he's a pretty good man. <laughs> well, Turnbow Outdoors, once again, tell us how people can watch your stuff. Just look us up on YouTube. You just type in Turnbow Outdoors, and it'll be about the first thing that pops up. You can go to Facebook, type us in. And all of the links to our videos are there. You can go right to YouTube from there, too. And I encourage you to watch these guys because, hey, they are hillbillies from Crawford County, Missouri. You are right. Uh, they live in the outdoors, and, hey, they live for it. I'm Bill Cooper. We'll be right back. Well, Bill, I guess it's time to talk about the giveaway. Oh, I love this part, man. Yeah, me too. I love, we, uh, love giving stuff away, especially when somebody else gives it to me. Oh, to I give know, away. right? You know, we've got 18 sponsors now that are giving us. A, everybody's giving us a $100 gift certificate or $100 worth of merchandise, whatever. Yep. It's fun to give this stuff away. Absolutely. And you know, one thing I can't wait for is all these pictures of people going bow fishing with Brian and, and these other guys that are going to drift drift boat fishing trips and you everything bet. else i want to see some pictures oh i do too i've told all these guys i want some feedback because <laughs> you go to brian wilson's site to stain water boat fishing and this guy has improved his photography skills by leaps and bounds over the last year i think he got a new phone you know these mm-hmm. these new 12s oh yeah take incredible photographs yeah, they do great and he sure. just makes my mouth water I, I check that site every day and he talks about these people from kansas these people from mm-hmm. alabama these people from st louis kansas mm-hmm. city all over and man he has a waiting list you know to get in uh, on those, those trips just incredible but, but anyway yeah but I, I, i'll just tell over farms yeah, and and uh, you it's kind of on the other end of the scale. We think of bow fishing, you know, as kind of being a rough, rowdy crew. Yeah. Well, we're we're going the civilized. other direction now. Civilized people, yeah, using fly rods, fly rods, and uh, you know, the cool brook flowing, you know, and looking at them trout flying or you know swimming around in uh, there. And uh, I don't know of a more beautiful spot in the Ozarks yeah. than Westover Farms. A lot of people know that as the old fisherman's dude ranch, you know, mm-hmm. the of course, spring's been there forever. Yeah. But uh, the facilities used to be yeah, pretty minimal. Mm-hmm. You know, people go out and fish in a stream or a pond, catch some trout, and take them home, you know, that sort of thing. But now, oh, my it's gosh. Been it's been managed well. Beautiful place. Yeah. yeah, these old log cabins, man, that they took apart all over the country, brought them back yep. there and put and, them together. And, you know, they so for, they got the little cabins for you to stay in, but then they got the big conference centers there and stuff, the conference rooms and, and uh, the event center and the full kitchen and everything in there. So if you had an event you wanted to do for your team or whatever at, at, at work or whatever, man, that's a great place to go because you got a place to stay. you got some, right. something to do while you're there, and then you got these 
awesome accommodations. Yeah, you really that you do. Can use. Of course, we've been there several times, living mm-hmm. the Dream Outdoor yeah. property, Daryl Hyman, take his crew there, over yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually gave away a trip and a drawing there to, to the Yucatan. Oh, yeah. Turkey hunt, man. <laughs> I remember that, too, yeah. Yeah, some great things happen over so, there. But, but yeah, so we got to draw here and uh, see who the lucky winner is. Wow. Yeah. Once again, my name's not in that pot. I'm highly disappointed. Here we go. I got the biscuit bowl. Hey, there's popcorn in there. I think it's a popcorn bowl. Here we go. Let's see. What does it say there? Can you read that? Tony Kalna. (laughs) (laughs) I know that dude. It's funny. You know, most people that are in there, I I do know them because they listen to the podcast. And everybody I run into, I'm telling them about the podcast. You know, the podcast telling them, asking them, begging them to enter. Because we're giving away some cool stuff, Oh, yeah, man. for sure. i tell you yeah. what. And uh, I'll let Tony know that he's he's the winner. And, of course, let him mm-hmm. know over to drop stream that somebody's coming. Yep, and, yep, for sure. And, unfortunately, Tony is a fellow outdoor writer. Is he really? Yeah, you, Tony, you know him? Oh, I've known Tony for decades. He's, he's from over around the St. Louis area, but out in the country. I can't name the. Yeah. Not Hillsboro. One of them towns over there. maybe. <laughs> yeah, one of them towns out in the country. Great guy, though. But he has the uh, Missouri Deer Hunter magazine, too. It's kind of a tabloid-type uh-huh. thing, been going on for years. He does great things for deer hunting. He has big one of these big parties and auctions every year, mm-hmm. and all the money that comes in, I think, goes to special products for uh, projects for the Missouri Department of Conservation, if oh, I'm not wow. mistaken. Yeah. That's great. Good guy. Well, he'll definitely have a place to go get some content for sure because there's a lot of stuff to write about down there. And like I say, you know, they they take good care of you. They got all kinds of, like, you know, you can rent rods and reels. If you never fly fish, instead of buying one, you know, you can give her a shot. So, Absolutely. It's a great well, facility. That's, that's a $100 gift certificate, and I, I don't think – I don't think he could spend a hundred bucks over a day. Maybe he'll have me tag along. <laughs> maybe, maybe he might need help. <laughs> he might need help. I doubt it. Uh, Tony, yep. Tony's pretty good. Well, congratulations, Tony, man. I hope you enjoy that. And and uh, if you let me know, man, I might just tag along. along. Tag along. There you go. Hey, so we got to announce the giveaway for next week. Oh, so yeah. So what, what are we doing next week or next episode? Next episode, and I'll be posting up uh, here in a, just a few days uh about this got a program coming up with turnbow outdoors oh sweet yeah, yeah. The, this is a group of young men from down cherryville missouri yeah our boss lives at cherryville I yeah think. it's his where he, he probably lives, know yeah. these guys yeah. <laughs> dalton uh turnbow and uh his brother i think uh, they came over to the house and we put together a podcast but great outdoorsman and mm-hmm. frank it i get the biggest kick out of watching and talking to these young people who are so excited about the outdoors Mm -hmm. and i want to say these guys are in late 20s one of them might be 30 Mm -hmm. they are full of energy vim and vigor man i remember those days oh yeah (laughs) i feel them once in a while (laughs) yeah guys guys like the turnbows they get me kind of inspired you know they rejuvenate me a little bit but as soon as they're out of my sight Uh, the the batteries run down a bit (laughs) yeah these guys uh, talk about shinning up trees and or climbing tree stands. I don't do that too much anymore. I actually have one hanging in the woods about 200 yards from here across uh-huh. my food plot. I'll get about six feet off of the ground in it sometimes, usually, yeah. in, usually in rifle season. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> to go much higher than that, man, 
I need some extra batteries. <laughs> yeah, climbing up is not the climbing up; is the getting down in them things, isn't it? It and is. You got to be careful. Oh, <laughs> well, you do all all the way, man. And I'm super careful these days. I mean, as soon as I walk up to that thing, I put uh, put the old safety harness on. You know, and I encourage people to do that, yeah. man. We hear the tragic stories every year of people who've fallen out of climbing tree stands or any kind of tree stand because yep. they didn't use that safety harness. Boy, mm-hmm. they, they got some good ones these days. Mm-hmm. I, I know they're they're probably better than some of the things we use to jump out of helicopters with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't hurt you near as bad. <laughs> you know? Right. And I'm really against pain, particularly these days. But Turbo Brothers provided us a $100 gift certificate from Academy Sports. And what, oh, color, heck and yeah. what color is it, Frank? It's camo. I can't even camo. tell that one. I'm colorblind and I can see that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that, that'll get you some work toward a deer stand. Oh, serious Talking work to us, yeah, 100 yeah. bucks. And Academy, of course, right over at Rolla, Missouri, man, got all kinds of outdoor products. Yeah. I love that place. I spend way too much money in there. Yeah, me that. too. <laughs> I need a few of these certificates. But whoever the winner is, we will mail this to them. Yep. And, boy, they don't have to do anything but go oh, to Academy. Go to a local Academy. Say, Here I got it. Show the folks over there, look what I got. That's right, yeah. And be sure and tell them where you got it. Bragging rights, right on. (laughs) Well, yeah, so all you got to do if you want to enter the giveaway, just go to the Facebook page and look for the post that Bill puts up and enter that giveaway. Put your name in there and uh, hit go, and then uh, your name will get drawn from the hat, hopefully. Hopefully. Or the biscuit bowl. The biscuit bowl. We'll use the biscuit bowl. With the popcorn in it. We don't put the gifts here. Certificates in, in the bowl, so they're not greasy. They're not. No, no, just the names. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys, this is Frank Cox with Living the Dream Outdoor Properties. Hey, each episode, we do a free giveaway. We draw from the grab bag here full of all of these gift certificates. Each gift certificate is valued at approximately $100, give or take. And you can get stuff such as discounts on fishing trips, You can even get coupons towards your purchases at different sporting goods stores or online websites and things like that. The way to enter is you go to our Facebook page, Living the Dream Outdoors Podcast. And once you get on there, like the page first and then scroll down to this episode's giveaway and we'll draw your name from the hat and announce it on the next episode. So be sure to do that and we look forward to seeing what you're going to get. Welcome back to Living the Dream Outdoor Podcast. Great many things going on in the outdoors. You know, it's September 15th. Yes, sir. Hey, some great things happening. Some yeah. of our favorite things. Of course, one of mine's bow hunting. Brian, Captain Brian Wilson is sitting here with me. What's your favorite thing about September 15th? Gigging season, sir. <laughs> Gigging season. I, I knew that without asking you, but you know what? You're way ahead of the game. I follow you all the time. I'm envious, man, because, you know, i got a, all these pages that I'm an administrator on, and yours is one of them. I can post stuff on your page. You get a lot more traffic than I do. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about all that, but it's blowing up for sure. Oh, it has, Brian. We've laughed and talked about this stuff. I've been on your boat a number of times, and that, that big old boat of yours is just like a party barge, you know. Yep. You can haul a lot of people on it, all the greatest and latest boat fishing equipment. And I have just never seen anybody get on that boat and not have a good time. Yeah, it's slow sometimes, but not very often. Oh, yeah. Not very often. I, I, I'm surprised slow is even in your vocabulary. <laughs> <laughs> 
Sometimes I talk to your father-in-law at country restaurant once in a while, you know, and he's always shaking his head, that Brian, that Brian, that Brian. <laughs> I said, yeah, it makes me dizzy trying to follow him. <laughs> I had to buy his lunch today just to see him. So. Oh, did you? Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm going I'm to tell him I put you up to that so he can buy my lunch. Well, there you go. There I'll, you go. I'll see if that works. Well, Captain Brian, man, you've been in this business for a long time. We've talked about this before, but I always like to refresh people's uh memories it's not like you just started this business yesterday you've been bow fishing probably since you was old enough to carry a bow a little over 20 years 20 years 20 years yeah. 20 years now how long have you actually had the business going uh this will be my fourth year actually guiding professionally only four years yep. now you're saying professionally i, I think you were gui- guiding way back when maybe a bit with friends and family oh, and that yeah. sort of thing yeah 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 well it's one of those things that you learn as you go mm-hmm. and i i don't think i don't think you make a lot of mistakes anymore i don't think yeah. happen but <laughs> they happen yeah mistakes I, yeah yeah things do happen uh, they certainly do well you've uh, always had your boat built over to cowtown usa and uh I, I laugh at the colors sometimes, you know. You had, didn't you have a lime green boat at one time? I've had a lime green. I've had two blaze orange. I've had a black camo. I've had three blue ones, and now two purple ones. Two purple ones. Two purple. Hey, ones. I love purple, man. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I love it. I, yeah, I think purple's great. Well, that's a lot of boats. You wear all them out? Or you oh just, yeah. You I've just, only had this one a year and three months, and it's it's beat up pretty good, but. The way I look at it is I buy these things to use. If the fish are where they're hard to get to, I don't own a trailer queen. I, The people that book with me expect to be able to get where the fish are, so I'm going to take them where they're at. Exactly. Holes can be patched. Dents can be beaded out. So. Yeah, that's exactly right. I've done that a number of times by myself. Yep. But they're such big, beautiful boats, you know. I, I'd hate to put a scratch on one. <laughs> that's what a lot of people say. <laughs> <laughs> I bet they do, but you're exactly right. Now, yeah, But, I, you know, I have to blame this on you. You've kind of created your own problem, if you call that a problem. People have expectations of you, you know. That's, yeah. Yeah, uh, you've built a reputation of putting people on fish and having a good time, and so when Joe Blow shows up and he pays his money and takes his family or friends or whatever, yeah, they want to get on fish. Yep, we don't care if you're a tourist in town that's never touched a bow, or I don't care if you're a seasoned bow hunter. That I've had people in the boat that said I've shot lions in Africa. Really, you know. So we try and show you the same. I guess you call it time and a adventure or memories that everybody we don't you know we don't discriminate i guess to whoever you are right it, it, it's the same program for yes, everybody sir. yes yeah sir. and i can i can verify that i've watched you guys and like i said been on that boat several times not near enough you know i'm like you i no i'm not like you i take that back <laughs> I, 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 I wouldn't want to be out there every night uh, just uh, like you are but uh, always enjoy it and always enjoy the people on the boat i mean i've been with you when you've had families with kids you know some pretty small guys mm-hmm. and boy kids just go nuts over that stuff but i've seen what small folks like myself on there too you know we still get a thrill out of that kind yep. of stuff yep and uh, of course you're, you're always razz me trying to get me to shoot usually i'm behind the camera and i have just as much fun back there maybe more than i i was i was trying to shoot and of course i had an arm surgery years ago and you were kind enough to tell me that you could let the weight down on those bows so i could pull it oh yeah yeah <laughs> well i can remember the days when i shot uh, carp and buffalo back home in mississippi county missouri in the backwaters and 
All I had an old fiberglass bowl with some cedar arrows. Boy, I had a lot of arrows bounce off their heads. <laughs> I, I, I had some of them bounce off their sides of thick, heavy scales, you know. But I watch you guys. I haven't seen any of your arrows bounce off a fish. Yeah, <laughs> once in a while you'll have like a, somebody will shoot at a 50 or 60-pound buffalo, and they hit them. Well, when they go to wrench back on it, they pull back in. They'll have a scale bigger than a half dollar just on the on the tip. Right. And so that shows you how you know heavy some of them fish are. Oh, they are. A 50, 60-pound so, fish and that big old scale. I mean, it's just like armor. hard bone yeah, armor. It's armor. like armor. It, it, yep. Exactly. I've actually had people take that off and put it in their pocket. Oh, yeah. For a souvenir. Memento. Souvenir. Yeah. souvenir. Yep. Yep. Well, speaking of souvenirs, you gave me the funniest thing uh, a few weeks back. <laughs> it's on a key ring. It's about three inches long. And I knew it was some kind of bone, but I thought, well, what kind of critter's got a jawbone like that <laughs> with, with teeth? Uh, it looked like teeth anyway, but uh, I laughed. I just died laughing. You told me what this was. You can do a better job than me of explaining. Explain to people what we're talking about here. It's a dorsal fin on the top of a common carp. If you look when they spread their dorsal fins out, they'll have the front one will be a spike. Yeah, and that's, that's a what spike, that is. Right. Yeah, and it's got a bunch of teeth on the back side of it. I've had people say they were, well, that looks like a prehistoric hummingbird jaw or, <laughs> or a baby gar jawbone or yeah. something like that. And yeah. I tell them what it is. And yeah. so we yeah. cut them out of all the common carp in the spring. And you just don't, well, I would have never thought of something like that. And it's a real popular item, you yeah. say. Yeah, these are considered a trophy. Ah, so uh, just gotcha. like a grass carp, the trophy on a grass carp is the jawbone, the, right. the bottom jawbone with the teeth, because they don't have upper teeth, they just got bottom ones. Well, I'll be darned. That move back and forth. Now, this is, bone is shiny white, yep. and I could just see you sitting around the campfire polishing in that there was a Q-tip. Oh, no, I'm too lazy for that. <laughs> I hand a bucket of them to my buddy that's got them bugs that clean, Yeah, that clean, uh, for like skull mounts and stuff. Oh, oh sure. So little bugs do all that wonderful yep. work. Yep. Isn't, that, isn't that grab? What what a keepsake, though. Be sure you go out with Brian. He tells me he's out of these right now, but I, I'm sure he's got some in the works. Uh, he doesn't let anything go slack for very long, no. particularly if he make a dime off of it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, everybody will have to be sure to have that trophy. Well, I know, Brian, for years and years you ran with one boat. And like I say, I, I follow you on facebook uh, i watch how things roll every day i don't there's not a day go by that i don't see uh the name stained water bow fishing or captain brian you know it's just a constant roll man and so i know that you've gotten busy enough with that one boat you probably many times have just felt overwhelmed yeah it's hard for me to be in two places at once because i'm not like most guys where i just cover one or two bodies of water I cover everything from Branson, which includes Table Rock, Bull Shoals, Taney Como, the James River, and all that down there. Well, then up here in where we live, I cover Lake of the Ozarks, Truman, Stockton, Palm de Terre, the Osage River, and the Missouri River. That's a lot of water. So it's a lot of water. So you've you've kind of solved your problem here, or partially so, I, I guess, in the last month or two. Tell us about that new adventure. Yeah, we started up. It's called Branson's Full Throttle Fishing Adventures. Uh, of course, we run bow fishing trips out of that boat, too. That's what it's mainly set up for. But we also have a champion bass boat. But we also we run trophy striper trips. And when I say trophy, our trophy stripers are 45-plus pounds. 
That's a big striper. That's a big striper. They don't have them on the lower end of bull shoals. We know where they're at on the upper end. A lower end bull shoals, 20 pounds, that's a big one. Right. All 20, the, 20 pounds is a big one. Yeah. But a 45-pounder yeah. is a lot yeah, bigger one. Yeah, and we've actually <laughs> pulled in some 50-plus pounders. Wow. Uh, 161-pounder this year. Uh, that is a big. huge And then we do striper. walleye. We do walleye trips, uh, crappie, of course, bass, trout. Boy. And into it all well you've really expanded your range then and uh, of course i'm sure there there's clientele uh, clients that you have some probably prefer to bow fish on the river somebody probably pre- uh, prefer to bow fish on the lakes do you, yes, sir. Do you see that happen? oh yeah. yeah yeah some we get i don't know how many calls we get people are looking for i want to shoot one of them five or six foot gar or i want to shoot nothing but grass carp or i want to shoot the jumping carp Oh, you yeah. know the Asian carp, right? So. That's a challenge. Mm-hmm. Fun too. It's messy. It is. Messy. They are slimy dudes. Yeah, I tell everybody if you want that trip, bring old clothes. Yeah. <laughs> no. I remember first time I run into them up on the Missouri Rivers all by myself. <laughs> Bad idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was going to go film these fish, and I discovered pretty quick, like that, the Asian carp that jump out of the water. Uh, Greener the water was, seemed to be more fish. So I went in behind an island where it was really pretty green, mm-hmm. had them more and hit that pool of water, and they started coming out by the dozens and dozens. I got like 28 of them in the boat in like 45 seconds. Yeah. But the first one to come out of the water hit me in the jaw right below the ear. Probably a 20-pound fish. Ooh, boy. I thought it broke my yeah. jawbone. So I'm hunkered down. They're just beating me like somebody beat me with a baseball bat. Yeah. Stuffed my camera up under their cunts console and eased on out of them you know but 28 of them and i had about a 30 pounder went down the hole in the back and broke my bilge pump really yeah snapped it right off that what is that an inch inch and yeah. a quarter plastic yeah snapped it like it was a toothpick and man and just slime and how do you say this not nicely fish poop too oh yeah <laughs> it's all mixed together and slick yeah. i could already stand up in a boat man. i got two busted lights on my purple boat right now from them from three nights ago yeah, that talked to a, a fisheries biologist on the Missouri River. It's been several years ago, and when he first started fooling with them, he'd been seriously injured twice, dislocated shoulder and a concussion. So mm-hmm. he started wearing a motorcycle helmet. Yep. Guy needs body armor, too. <laughs> <laughs> but they are they are something to see, and it's worth the trip if you're going where those fish are, uh, just to be able to, to experience that at mm-hmm. least once. But, uh, hey, man... You gotta watch them that first because they yeah, will hurt you. They're, yeah, they're fun and aggravating at the same time. Exactly, but that's not the only fish you go after. You mentioned a gar, and I I can't even imagine shooting a really big gar and and trying to hang on to him with uh, one of those bow fishing rigs. But they're pretty sturdy rigs, right? Yeah, they're they're they'll hold up. I, of course, you're gonna have fish pull off, sure. Especially right now, the water temperatures have cooled off drastically. But like last night, where I was on that trip. On the Osage River, almost to the mouth of the Missouri, it was still 86 degrees water. Wow. And all summer long, we've been fighting 90, 91 degree water everywhere. So the fish get real soft. Yeah. You know. I bet But that- the arrows are still hold. I had a guy this summer uh, call me from Nebraska. He said, the biggest fish I've ever shot in Nebraska gar-wise was a two-foot gar. I said, that's a good fish because why well, want one of them ones like you show? Yeah, I said, "Well, come on down. We'll get you." Make a long story short, he ended up shooting one. It was right at five and a half feet, and I had eleven in, eleven and a half inch girth. That's a big gar. That's a big one for a spotted gar. A long right. nose gar. That's a monster. 
Wow. Yeah, that's a dinosaur. But what what fun. Well, it's, it sounds like uh, you've got it all figured out. Here you got boats in two different locales yep. in, in Missouri. Got a lot of water covered. And I'm, I hope it took some pressure off of you because I know, man, you're burning candle at both ends most of the time. Yeah, this spring, though, it'll be, it'll be like all the other times. It'll be both <laughs> boats will be that busy, I'm afraid, which is fine. I love it. Yep. I love showing people what I'm obsessed with. You Boy, know. you used the right word. We all talk about you being obsessed all the time with this sort of thing. But you know what? That is to your customer's advantage mm-hmm. because you know so much about this, and you can give people advice if they'll listen. Mm-hmm. You know how it is. You talk about those expert bowmen. I'm sure you get the person once in a while who tries to guide the guide. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Just a few times. I just kind of let it go, you know. Yeah. I, I could vouch for you. You're a very cool dude under pressure because yeah. that's why I never started guiding. I've had lots of offers to be a turkey hunting guide and this, that, and the other. I don't think I ever really had the patience for that because you really do have to be a serious people person to be any kind of guide. But you know what? When you got... How many people can shoot at a time off your boat? I can have six per boat. All right. And you're captain back there running the boat, you know, watching everybody. But you're not guiding one person at a time. Yep, you're you got six. You got six people to worry about up there, hoping they all stay in the boat. They don't shoot each other or shoot yourself in the foot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> shooting across the boat, you know. Oh, yeah. yeah. Running over yeah. their buddy's side and almost knocked their buddy off in the water. Yep, I can imagine sometimes up on yep. that deck is just like a circus. It is. But do you, uh, by any chance, I'm I'm sure you, you do. I would if I was a guy. You kind of give people a little bit of direction and instructions before you start. Oh, yeah, we... Uh, uh, of course, we st- we have day and night trips, but we always start 30 minutes or even an hour before. Doesn't count against your time. We're not big time-oriented people. Right. But we'll give everybody their bows, and it gives them a chance to get their sea legs on how the boat moves around. Oh, with, good point. With people walking and lets them get used to the equipment. And it also gives us a visit time. Right. You know, to find a little bit about each other. You know, where we're from, where we've been, what do you do. Yeah. You know, because I love talking to people. I love meeting new people. Well, you do a great job at it, but I know you well enough that uh, part of the reason for having that 30 minutes or an hour prior to the trip is you're sizing everybody up. Oh, yeah. 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 (laughs) (laughs) Trying to figure out who's going to do what and how well they're going to do. And attitude, you know, attitude is everything when you go to the outdoors. We've both been in the outdoor business long enough. We've got our favorite people because they've got grand attitudes, and we love to see them come back. But you have that rotten egg once in a while that can spoil things for everybody. Yep. Hope you don't get much of that. I'm sure you get something. Oh, once in a while, you just kind of let it roll off and move on to the next one, you know, because it's not worth letting it ruin everything else so right attitude so, yep yep it's big time well uh, we've talked about your new boat and uh everything and how things are going look like it's going uh, great where do you look to go from here i mean i think your operation your skills and everything are just grand but everybody in the business it's just like outdoor retailers product uh people they want to have something new every year. Have you got visions of doing other things out in the future? I've talked about maybe buying a tour boat for the Branson area, maybe, but I don't know. I, I'm probably just going to stick yeah, stick with this. I bet you don't. I don't We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. I don't know yet. Well, I, I know you well enough that you like the new things and the new adventures for sure, but the thing is you have to have a deep feeling of, gratitude and satisfaction for being it not only as successful as you've been in a short period of time 
but because of the hundreds, even thousands of people that you're getting into the outdoors, I know you're you're an old time trapper and hunter and fisherman, and uh, I know what the outdoors means to you. I know what it means to me and people like us. But we've talked about this many times, just in personal conversations. We've been worried about what's happening to the outdoors, what's happening to people. There's not near as many, you know, only about 4% of Americans hunt anymore, about 16, maybe up 20% now with COVID of people that fish. That's still a pretty small part of, uh, of our population. But how, how do you feel about introducing somebody new to bow fishing? My, every time somebody new that's never even as much as touched a bow, right? you know, I'm hoping they see the thrill that we see. And if they don't, that's fine. Everybody's into different things. I get that. Right. But I'm hoping it just shows them. Now, I have had a lot of people that after they've left me, they'll book two or three more. By the third trip, they're bringing their own bow. Well, I walked down the creek the other night with a buddy and shot a few of these, showed me pictures of some suckers or a bluegill or something. I'm like, well, right on, man, right on. Yeah, you know? cool. They're out there doing the yep. thing. I said, it ain't always about the size of fish or how many you kill. It's having fun. And in my mind, that's what I think a lot of people are losing. To, see, it's side of it. just being out and having fun. It, exactly. You know? And it's interesting to me. I'm sure you watched it like I have, you know, this National Archery in the Schools program, mm-hmm. which I think is a wonderful thing, has grown by leaps and bounds. Do you get anybody ever on your boat that's talked about that program and having been involved in oh, it? Oh, yeah. Uh, real quick, funny story. I'll make it sure. real quick for you. Sure. I had a group this summer. They were from Wisconsin. They were coming from South Florida. They had been down there shooting iguanas. Iguanas. With blowguns. Oh, yeah. You ever had a chance to do that? That's fun. It sounds like it. Um, They booked me on their way back home in Branson. Well, it was the dad and the, let's see, dad and two daughters. And one was 13, one was 15. Of course, they get on the boat, and I figure here's some normal tourists, you know, no big deal. (laughs) Got them, had my deckhand get the bows out, and we're showing them how to shoot bows, and Nobody said a word to us. We get going, it gets dark, kick the lights on, and there was a little old dink gar. When I said dink, he was not even a foot long. <laughs> and I said, see that fish there, sis? It was his, I think that was a third, that was a 15-year-old. I said, see that fish, sis? I'll give you $50 you hit that fish. I seen her draw out of the corner of mine. I thought, oh, no. And she let it fly and just smoked it. I said, holy cow. I looked over at her dad, and he's got this big old grin. I should have mentioned they're both Wisconsin State Youth Archery Champions, right? <laughs> I said, oh, no. <laughs> so I whipped out my money and paid her. Well, as the night went on, they were shooting fish. Well, then they hit a spell they couldn't hit nothing. And her dad asked, he said, do, do they need to change up something? I said, look, brother, they've got no telling how many hours with a coach teaching them how to shoot. Yeah, don't I ain't change. changing nothing. Yeah, don't I don't want that coach program. calling me. <laughs> They're having fun. We're all having fun. Let's just go with this, you know. But, oh, absolutely. But that's yeah, probably the best fifty bucks you ever spent. It was. It was worth it. I did not care. It yeah. wasn't. It, yep. It was well, fun. Great, great, great stories, and I'm I'm sure you could sit and tell stories like that. Oh yeah. yeah you should write a book, man. You need to be keeping notes. <laughs> now, now you talk about you talk about uh, something. Hey, 
after it's over, we might need to talk about yeah, that. <laughs> <laughs> but, folks, it's been uh, Captain Brian Wilson. You get a chance, man. Get a hold of this guy. And don't wait till the last minute. I mean, this guy's extremely busy, and you better book uh, a ways out. But, Brian, give us contact information so people can get a hold of you. Uh, you can get on our website, Stained Water Bow Fishing, charters.com. Uh, of course, we have Facebook, TikTok. It's all Stained Water. Uh, my phone number is 573-263-8016. Uh, that's usually the easiest way to book something is just to call direct. Call direct. Yep. yep. Okay. And we offer day and night trips seven days a week. Wow. Hey, so. put put this on your to-do list. What do you call those lists people keep? Bucket list. Bucket list. Bucket list. Get it on yep. your bucket list and be sure and do this. And you tell, you can tell listening to us, Brian and I always have a good time when we get together. And, you know, that's all we want for you. We encourage you to get out and enjoy the outdoors and live your outdoor dreams. And one last plug for Brian. He is uh, one of our fine sponsors for Living the Dream Outdoor podcast. And just uh, I think last week we gave away a certificate worth 100 bucks towards mm-hmm. a trip with brian and everybody. he's already called the book too really good for him that's what we like to see and uh, folks every week or it's every other week uh, the show airs and we give away a certificate usually always worth at least a hundred bucks sometimes they're just gift certificates yep. we've got several to academy that we've got to give away so once again brian thanks for being on the show thanks and, sir appreciate hey, it hey leave a slot for me on that boat okay <laughs> anytime <laughs> i'll be there Hey guys, this is Frank Cox with Living the Dream Outdoor Properties. Hey, have you ever considered a career in real estate? If you have, but you don't have your license, this is your opportunity. So each month, the Living the Dream Outdoor Properties team is giving away a free seat to the online training that you need to take in order to get your real estate license. We would love to have you join our team. All you got to do is go to our website, livingthedreamland.com, and then click on the Our Team button, and then click on the one that comes up under that that says Join Our Team. On that page, there's an application form. Just simply fill that out and get in contact with a member of our team, and I'll be giving you a call. We appreciate you, and uh, good luck. The Live in the Dream Outdoors podcast is brought to you by Live in the Dream Outdoor Properties, The Fly Rod Journals, SmokerBuilder.com, Cowtown USA, Westover Farms, Scenic Rivers Taxidermy, Stained Water Bow Fishing, Scenic Rivers Guide Service and Tours, Huzzah Valley Resort, Pico Lures, Devil's Backbone Outfitters, Cardiac Mountain Outfitters, Mary's County Bank, The Fallen Outdoors, Ledco Sinkers and Lure Company, Turnbow Outdoors, and Rich's Famous Burgers. Land ownership is the American dream. Land is the basis of all life. Our wise use of this most precious of resources ensures the survival and growth of free institutions and our American way of life. At Living the Dream Outdoor Properties, we value the traditions and freedoms that land provides us. Every day we seek the solace of a mountain sunrise over traffic jams and smog the calming silence of a bubbling stream over the sirens of the city, and the quiet of the countryside over the hustle and bustle of the world. We hunt, we fish, we farm. We live off the land. It's our mission to help our clients live out their dreams on the land as we do. At Living the Dream Outdoor Properties, we believe that it's not just land, 
it's a lifestyle. Join us five days a week on Living the Dream Outdoor Podcast as the Living the Dream Outdoor Dream Team explores the most desired outdoor properties in the Midwest and whisks you away to incredible hunting, fishing, and outdoor recreation opportunities. Host Bill Cooper, an inductee of the National Freshwater Fishing Hall of Fame, will be joined by members of the Living the Dream Outdoors team each week as they tell tall tales, unveil tips and tactics, and rub elbows with some of the biggest names in the outdoor world. You'll also find the Living the Dream Outdoors podcast on your favorite social media platforms, including Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok.